In Haggai chapter 2, verse number 6, we read uh, these words. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, Yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. And may God and his will be blessed as we have it read into our hearts today. And the title of this message is The Desire of All Nations. The Desire of All Nations. It's uh, uh, literally a, a cataclysmic uh, event that occurs that is prophesied by the prophet Haggai. He says that it's not simply a run-of-the-mill event that's going to happen. It's a heaven shake and a celestial shaking and a terrestrial shaking event. The heavens and the earth. Everybody is going to be shook to the core by what's about to happen. And that kind of gives you the idea that God wants us to, to get uh, our attention focused on him, especially when we think about uh, at this time of the year to remind ourselves that God wants all of us to want him. And when we see here the divine shaking that is foreseen, we notice that God is not going to allow the world to be settled and comfortable in its being settled. You need to understand, and I need to understand, that if the world was just content to keep on going smoothly on the way it is going, then uh, ever, no one would ever seek God. No one would ever call upon God. But God has desired for us to desire him. So he has placed within the whole of human nature and really the natural order, the shaking of both the heavens and the earth. And this is to get our attention, to grab our attention, to focus it on the one who it was to come. Now, Haggai lived hundreds of years before Jesus, so he's speaking about the future, but it is very important to know that God doesn't want us to do, as Charles Stanley said, to settle for the settled for life. He wants us to be shook a little bit. He wants us to get a hold of ourselves so that we can have that cold water splashed all over us and we realize let's be alert to what God is about to do because God is about to do something according to the prophet Haggai and that work is truly miraculous. Now in the scripture here, it actually says in, in verse number uh, uh, six, for thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. That's pretty much everything that we know about. And I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come. Uh, that is a very important prophecy, that the desire of all nations. So what is it that the nations seek? What is it that all groups of people have sought? and still seek for today? Well, there's many things. 
If we look at the list of things, one of the things that people desire is natural security or environmental stability. I mean, we really do. We want to have a natural security uh, whenever we have storms that continue to threaten us, famines, when we don't have enough water, when we have floods, when we have too much water, when we have so much wind that it blows over all of our buildings or ruins our crops. We, we know that nature itself is not always our best friend. We know that in nature there are dangers that we try to uh, subdue and try to calm and try to reroute all of our engineering around the problems that nature provides for us. So I think that, there, the, that almost all people, as long as we've had intelligence, have tried to alter the world to minimize the dangers that nature presents to us. Those dangers are real dangers. I mean, it is, there certainly are uh, environmental problems that we need to address. There are issues that we have to deal with so that we can make sure we can grow our food and so that we can make sure that the living things don't die and so that we can have uh, uh, for ourselves and for those who come after us uh, the correct bountiful blessings that come from the world itself. So there is this natural security that I think everybody wants. And I think to the extent today, the, the, our desire for that natural security has led us to some false idols where the climate change agenda and the people who try to make a god out of climate change almost uh, they actually overemphasize it to the point to where they worship the creation over the creator. They haven't understood that it is God who has the best solution to these problems, but uh, they continue to elevate this idea. But we know for a fact that the world puts a strong emphasis on the environment and on natural security and we will as long as the world is as it is. So that's a fact that, that the, the world really uh, is looking to fix. There's problems in the world and the world wants to have them fixed somehow. Now, but it's not just natural security, but it's also physical well-being because we need to have physical well-being. Uh, think about our health. We want to make sure we have food to eat and proper diet and enough food for everybody. At least most of us do, uh, unless you believe conspiracies. And there has been many conspiracies through the years to try to destroy people. But in fact, normal people want to have food, want to have a good life. And not only that, but people want health. They want medicine and they want to be able to deal with their diseases and overcome them. So they want good health. And in life, if we don't have that good health, we consider it a very sad and harmful thing. We shut down the entire world virtually on a world war level uh, basis uh, in 2020. And we're still recovering from that. Uh, so we did that for health. So obviously health is a big deal to the world and freedom from disease is something that they are even promising today that if we can only 
fuse the human DNA with computers that we might be able to extend our lives indefinitely and to be able to be free of diseases. And, and it is the promise of the transhumanists today that they want to create human 2.0, where they act like God and, and actually change us from being human to being a hybrid between human and machine. Very scary thought, by the way, isn't it? But that's what the world wants. The world wants to free itself of the limitations of disease. And, and uh, there's a lot of people that want that. And I think none of us want to be sick and none of us want to have a serious uh, uh, illness. Not only do, do we want physical well-being, but we also want to defeat evil. I think most nations struggle with evil. Why do we spend so much on war? Why do we spend so much on weapons? Because we know that there are evil motives of people in the world that can harm us, and nations naturally need defense to protect itself against evil and violence. But it's not just the nat national defense that is a, an important role to play to fight evil of enemies, but you've got to fight the criminality because you've got to have criminal defense to protect yourself from criminals and from bad actors in society. And every society deals with this to some extent, some more than others. Uh, no one wants to be a victim of crime, and yet we have many who are committing crimes throughout our country, and, and it seems that this breakdown in society is raising awareness to the fact that we need to have more freedom from criminal behavior. But all of that comes from an even greater problem. Evil is real because uh, it is seen most evidently in moral decline. When you are not raising children with strong moral foundations, when it is okay for you to live in a dog-eat-dog -dog world and just treat people like they're just a means to get what you want, then that's why we have what we have today. We've seen a breakdown in the family, breakdown in what it means to be in the family. Uh, 5,000 years of human history never ever said that marriage was between a husband and a husband, but suddenly we can reinvent marriage to be whatever we want it to be, whatever relationship we want. We can do whatever we want. Because we've seen a, we've gone off the cliff morally in our world. This is a terrible thing. And evil is running the hearts of people to the point where once you go down that path, God pushes you over and turns you over to a reprobate mind because you've failed to understand God as creator. And like Romans said, that's the reason why we see the explosion of these very bizarre and immoral activities that are being championed in our time. Yes, I would say to you that moral evil is a the root of the problems of our society. And it, without having morality, it's impossible to have a society. I mean, if you can't trust anybody at all for anything, then you're on your own. <laughs> And you better be armed to the teeth. And you better have a lot of good friends who are armed to the teeth. And you better be able to protect yourself and your own because no one else is going to do it. 
That's a very sad reality. And we can go there if that's what our society wants. And if it keeps going that way, who can blame them? We are in danger. The, the, the danger against evil is so real. But a fourth problem is the problem of death. Now, that's something that the world has not been able to defeat one time. <laughs> uh, they, 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 like I said, they're trying with these uh, uh, hybrids between human and computer interfaces. They're trying to extend our lives indefinitely, and they're trying to basically turn us into machines that we can just go into the shop and repair everything. But is that going to really mean that we will exist? Something might exist, but are you going to be there at all? Or are you just going to be some little uh, element of it? I have a feeling that you're not going to have joy, happiness, and life. You will just have whatever that existence would be. I don't believe that we are even close to solving the problem of death at all. We're not close, not at all. So those are four areas that I think all nations struggle with. We struggle with death, we struggle with evil, we struggle with, with our well-being, and we struggle for sure with the environment in some degree, somewhere, some way, somehow. Now, the Bible says the desire of nations, all nations desire to deal with these things and to solve these problems. So we know that that's what they desire. And then there was a man named Jesus. The desire of nations is a good name for him because he did come to the world. And you notice that Jesus did four types of miracles and he was a miracle worker. Miracles are by definition actions that only God can do. You can't do them, I can't do them. Now, when the prophets performed miracles, they did it because God enabled them to, but it was God doing the miracle. They were just the agents, but God was the miracle worker. So a miracle is by definition God's actions, not ours. So look at all these events. For instance, Jesus performed miracles over nature. The first miracle he performed was to turn the water to wine. That was a miracle of nature. I mean, that doesn't happen naturally, does it? But it did happen then. Uh, Jesus was able to uh, feed all the people through a miracle of nature itself by taking the loaves and the fishes and multiplying them. He was able to rebuke the, the, the storms when he was on the, the Sea of Galilee and a storm came up and he stopped the, the seas from being stormy. He was able to look at a fig tree from a long ways away, thinking that it was going to have fruit. And when he came to it, he said it didn't have any fruit, so he cursed it. And the next day, it was withered. So that's a miracle over nature. He has the power to do what we cannot do. We cannot completely control nature. We are not going to save the planet, not that way, but God can. God can do for the environment what we can't do for ourselves. So he proved he can solve the problem of natural security. What about the problem of physical well-being? Well, obviously, has there ever been a better doctor than Jesus? I mean, think about the thousands of thousands of people who came to Jesus and were healed 
Thousands of them. I mean, he would spend days from morning to night, people just lined up to come and see him to be healed. And he physically healed them one at a time. That takes time, doesn't it? He was tired after doing that, but he did it. He healed these people. Amazing. And he provided for their well-being. And so, sounds like check. That's, that's another thing he can do. He can provide health for all people who he wants to heal. Everybody. I mean, is there anybody he can't heal? He can heal whoever he wants. So, he has that. What about the third? How about the uh, defeat of evil? What did Jesus do about that? Well, I want to tell you a story about uh, Robert E. Lee was a general in the Civil War. Uh, he obviously is probably the most famous general. He was a Christian. He fought for the South. Abraham Lincoln asked Robert E. Lee to help the North uh, to be the commander-in-chief of the armies of the Union Army so that they could win the war. And he declined because he didn't want to potentially have to fight Virginia, which was his home. So he, just, he, he declined the offer and he resigned from the U.S. Army and became uh, part of the uh, Confederacy, so to speak. Well, we know that he lost the war. So he surrendered to, to General Grant at Appomattox. And General Grant was very kind and, and generous in the terms of the surrender. And so he got to, he lived for five more years after the war. And he took up, he needed to make a living. So the board of trustees at Lee, I mean, at Washington College in Virginia, they didn't have any money, by the way, but they, they scrambled to try to ask General Lee to be the president of the college. And he agreed. And so that was the last job he had was to be president of Washington College. Well, uh, there was a uh, professor there at the college named Edward Joins. Edward Joins went and uh, he was trying to, it was a cold winter day, and he, or it might have been a fall day, could have been a spring day, but it was a cold day nonetheless. And he took a, a little piece of wood to put into his little wood-burning stove to keep warm. Well, not long after that, he put it in the, as the fire heated up, that there was an awful explosion and the entire stove blew up into how many bits we don't know. But miraculously, the professor was not harmed, but he could have been killed. It was a horrendous explosion. So now, President Robert E. Lee of this school has to solve a mystery of attempted murder of one of his professors. So... He uh, goes to the chapel. He was in his, uh, he went to the chapel as a, he didn't have to go, but he chose to do it as an example. And at the end of chapel, he got up and he said, uh, I, I, I really appreciate if any of you know uh, anything about what went on, if you could get in touch with me. And that, that was it. He just made a kindly appeal to say if any of the students knew anything about this, to let him know. So later in that morning, there were two freshman students who were waiting to see uh, General Lee in his office. And after the, the meeting was over that General Lee was in, he comes to the door, he says, come on in, gentlemen. So they sit down, these two freshmen. And the two freshmen related to him a story. 
They said, uh, General Lee, we, uh, we have had a problem in our dorm room. Someone has been stealing our firewood. So we came up with the idea that if we would take one of these sticks of firewood and we drill a hole in it, put some black powder in it, put some clay in it, and disguise it as a normal block of wood, that we would be able to figure out who's been getting our wood. Well, what, we, what happened is that uh, the groundskeeper, they, after they did the investigation, the groundskeeper had been stealing the wood because it was his job to go get wood for the professors. Now, the students got their own wood, but the professors were provided for by the groundskeeper. The groundskeeper got lazy and decided to take from the students so he didn't have to walk 200 more yards to go get the wood. And that's how they solved the problem. General Lee paused for a moment when those boys said that. They hear, hear these young men, they're thinking, oh, I'm going to be thrown out of school. I, I've been playing with uh, dynamite or whatever. And, and uh, so here's what Robert E. Lee said that one of the young men's name was Graham. He says, Mr. Graham, your plan to find out who was taking your wood was a good one, uh, but the powder charge was too heavy. I recommend that in the future you cut it in half. <laughs> so, so I think that shows you what kind of man, and he laughed, by the way, when he heard the story. He laughed with the, the young men about it, and he told that story later on. Here's a man who had seen evil on the battlefield. I mean, how many people did he see dead? How many people did he see maimed? I mean, around him. He literally was surrounded by death and destruction on the battlefield. It's, those Civil War battles were bloody, horrible things. And it emotionally scarred every person who had a heart on both sides of the war. This evil is really huge. It's a problem. And yet Jesus, he cast out the demons. He cast out the unclean spirits. He personally got to the heart of the matter when people were under the domination of evil. He delivered them, and he did it in dramatic fashion. Do you think today, with all of our pharmaceutical companies trying to solve every spiritual problem with a physical drug, do you think that they are going to be successful? I say no. There has to be a person named Jesus who gets involved in the spiritual evil that's going on in the hearts of people. And our young people need Jesus today. The same Jesus who saved those people from the demons can save people from drugs and alcohol and anything else that is an addiction in this world. God is a savior. He's not here to uh, just let us go to our own destruction. So he fights evil and he proved it by his miracles over evil. And you and I, by the way, cannot conquer evil the way Jesus did. So Jesus, he checks off those first three. He is in command of nature. He is in command of disease. He is in command of evil. It has no power over him. Wow. <laughs> that sounds like what we need. We need that. But then the fourth one, how about death? Well, Jesus, he checks that one off too. Because not only did Jesus have the power to raise the dead, he, he raised Lazarus, for instance, from the dead, who had been dead for like three or four days, and yet he raised him from the dead. That's pretty powerful. 
But more powerful was a statement that he said, I have power to lay my life down and I have power to take it up again. Think about that quote for a second. Now, there are many people in the world who have said that. There have been many crazy people who said, I'm going to come back and whatever. There have been many people who have laid their lives down. That's quite easy, by the way, laying your life down at suicide and people have sacrificed themselves throughout history. But how many of them came back? Only one. <laughs> Only one laid his life down and took it back. And that's the desire of nations. All of us need this same Jesus. If we want to solve our problems as a world, we need the Lord. The same Jesus who came into the world as a baby is the same Jesus who did all these four things. And he did it better than any of us can do it. So doesn't it make sense that we ought to appeal to him and ask his help on everything that we do and be humble in this age in which we live? We absolutely do. But I do like what it says here in verse number nine of Haggai chapter two. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, Jesus appeared in the temple. He was glorious in his life. It was in Jerusalem where he died and he rose from the dead. So we know that happened. But I do believe that there is a possibility for more than one meaning here. For one thing, it is possible that someday the Lord shall reestablish his temple in Jerusalem and shall let all the nations literally come to Jerusalem once he sets up his kingdom on earth. And those of us who believe that that's going to happen certainly apply this to this. But I think also we should not hide the fact that the Bible says our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God's spirit is in you as a believer. And the glory that spread throughout the whole world because of the temples of our bodies, having Jesus in our hearts, that is extremely glorious. And it's even more glorious than what it was before. And I hope that you will realize that you are a sacred, important person to God. Your body's important. Represent him well while he is in you and make sure you turn to the desire of nations because it's your desire too. What you really want is all here. You want health. You want to be secure in your nature and in nature itself. You want to have freedom from evil. You don't want things to go wrong in your life and against you. And you certainly don't want to die. You want to live. Well, Jesus solved every one of these problems. He's your desire. Seek him today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for sending Jesus to the world to teach us who we should desire and help us, Lord, in our time when wickedness seems to be on the ascendance. Lord, help us to stand strong with the one who was able to defeat sin and the grave. And we pray for you to provide for each person here in Jesus' name, amen. We're, uh, we'll sing this hymn of invitation.